Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Vivian Gibson. Vivian is an award-winning author, storyteller, genealogist, and Missouri Library Association Author of the Year 2022. She speaks and writes about growing up in a segregated St. Louis neighborhood named Mill Creek, which was raised for an urban renewal project in the late 1950s. Hello, Vivian. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. So let's just start out with awesome. You are a past TEDx St. Louis speaker, in fact, just in October. Yes. And um, I will tell you, when I heard, when I learned about you and what you were doing, I felt that it was so important because the history that we have not learned, that is that you're one of those people that said, hey, this happened. You all should probably know about this. Mm-hmm. I love that there are people that are speaking up about the history that's been hidden. Yeah, it's important. Um, it occurred to me, uh, probably not at the beginning, but as I was going through the process, that if I did not write about this community at my age, and I'm in my, approaching my mid-70s, there would be nobody else around to talk about it firsthand, first person. And so uh, it became increasingly more important to me. So this neighborhood, let's talk about Mill Creek. You grew up in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And when it was decided that, is it Highway 40? 6440. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when whoever decided like, oh, we've got to get rid of this neighborhood because we need to put a highway in. Mm-hmm. The neighborhood was uh, talked about as if it were slums and horrible, and it was not. It wasn't completely. There were there were areas of it. Once, first of all, it was a pretty diverse black community, mm-hmm. and I like to stress diverse black community because we were segregated. So we had doctors and lawyers, teachers, college professors, um, truck drivers, gardeners, women who were maids, which was a huge job category for women there who worked, who were domestic workers in private homes. Uh, And some of them were poor people who rented in tenements that were not well taken care of. The city chose to focus on that group of people and, and label us a slum and slum dwellers so that they could get a vote passed for a bond issue to demolished the neighborhood. And frankly, it didn't work the first time around. In 1947, when they first tried to get a bond issue passed, it it didn't pass because we were segregated there. And white voters in city and county didn't know where else we would go. So where would 20,000 black people that you've segregated for decades, where would they go? And so it, it failed. And it took another um, six years or so before another bond issue was put forth and passed because they announced that they were building Pruitt-Igoe housing projects. 
Ah. And it was assumed that we will all just kind of shift over to public housing, which was not the case. Only about 30% of the residents did, in fact, go to Pruitt Ike. So where did your family go then? My family went west, uh, northwest, towards the uh, city limits and what they're now calling north of Del Mar. Okay, gotcha. Which is the new code for black neighborhoods. Yes, I gotcha. I gotcha. (laughs) The Del Mar Divide, which is something I I know people are working on, but we need to keep working on it. Yes, it still has a lot of work to do. I can tell you, I was just there last week. And uh, so we all moved. And, and, and it's interesting because we were kind of steered to that community. So it was another, it became another black community. Right. Uh, so the people from Mill Creek uh, either went to public housing, maybe a little further north. Uh, but a lot of the people went to that west end of the city. Um, Hamilton, Goodfellow going towards Martin Luther King, which at that point was called Eastern Avenue. Uh, So that's where we all went. Okay. So Mill Creek, I mean, you know, and so you are currently, as we are podcasting right now, you are posting all these great old pictures and photos from from those days, which is so cool. Um, Where did you get these pictures? Like, where did you find them? A lot of them are family pictures. Some of them I I sometimes just request people. First of all, I have this website that people love that has to do with Mill Creek. So I do a lot of conversations and talking about Mill Creek. So people sometimes send me lovely pictures of when they say, I lived there. I lived at 2607 Lawton. Oh, and I went to this school. It's a, it's a really great site. And people are really happy that we're talking about this time because we were just about to be erased as a community. And people constantly say to me when I speak, I didn't know about it. Where was it? I never heard of it. So right. these postings that I do of these lovely pictures from the 50s and and, and 40s, I say, we were here. I love it. <laughs> and it's true. I did not know a thing about it. Um, and it, and that always hurts my heart because I always feel like, well, how, did I miss this somewhere? Was and, and it's like, well, no, people, it's not. It wasn't what was taught in history. Oh, no. And there's so much of history we do not know Absolutely. that I believe is finally coming to the surface. And I know there is so much more, but it's been hidden for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take people like you to to thank you for speaking up and saying, yeah, yeah you, there's there's more. There's well, more to this story. I'm retired, so I have time to do it now. <laughs> well, <laughs> but what an important thing to do with your retirement, Vivian. I mean, I know. That's a I, good retirement, ma'am. Yeah, uh, two, three, sometimes four times a week, I'm talking about this to book clubs, to schools. I'm really just amazed at there are schools teaching my book. Really? Teaching my book. I'm oh, like, my amazed. gosh. I that's awesome. That's awesome. Teaching this book in, in literature classes as well as social studies classes. At Washington University, it's a text for an urban studies course. And it's, uh, I just am amazed, but I think it's timing. It's time for people to realize how much of black history has been suppressed and erased. Right. And so it's just a small portion that I can 
contribute to this, and I'm happy to do it. And how frustrating that has to be for the black community. I can't even imagine, like, what does, I mean, you're you're thinking to yourself, uh, we are citizens of the United States as well, in case no one is aware of that. Why are we being erased? Why are we, why are our voices not being heard? And I'm, I'm hoping that this just keeps moving in that direction. Yeah, and it can be discussed in a way that people will, will hear it. Right. You know, and, and that's my battle constantly because I want to go and say, well, you did this and you did that, but I want people to hear the message, to hear the stories, to hear the humanity that existed in this community that people somehow missed and uh, I mentioned it in my TED Talk. Yes, you do. <laughs> about, about the communities being like parallel communities where people are just driving down the street right next to each other and not looking right or left to see there, there's another whole community here. I sometimes say tongue-in-cheek that, well, if you know where St. Louis University is and mm-hmm. you know where Union Station is, how did you miss 20,000 people in between? Right. How did that happen? And, and that, that's an interesting question. I think that's a great question to discuss. How is it that a part of the heart, frankly, right. of the city could yeah. be just behind a veil, as W.E.B. Du Bois says? It's just behind a veil. Right. Um, you know, I've been recently— not taking the highway to get certain places. I've been mm-hmm. like purposefully like letting my navigator take me off the highway and just so I can just drive through some interesting neighborhoods. And I recently, gosh, I'm kind of afraid to give away this secret, but the <laughs> Aldi on Lee May Ferry tends to still have the Aldi finds that always <laughs> seem to go. So that's the Aldi I tend to go to sometimes. But um, the one day I thought, you know what, I'm not going to take the highway to get there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it reroute me through back roads and just like see what it looks like. And I drove through an area of St. Louis I had never driven through before. I was taken aback by how many murals there were on these buildings as I mm-hmm. as I made my way. And just what looked like used to be just beautiful little neighborhoods that need some love now. Yeah. And I was and I thought, you know, there's I've lived in St. Louis all my life and there's all these parts of St. Louis that are hidden from me because of how we travel via highways and such and how it's been constructed. What if we all just kind of went a little bit out of our way and spent the extra five or 10 minutes to drive a different route and see what else is there? I'm sad to say that if you drove through what was Mill Creek, you would see nothing. Nothing is left of it now. Nothing. Four buildings. You can see the rear of Vashon High School if you drive down Market Street, uh, which is now on the campus of the Harris-Stowe State University. Uh, You can see a Berea church that you view the rear of. The beautiful front of the church uh, is the back of it now, and there's like garbage bins Aww. all around it. Um, there is a building uh, on Olive also that was a, a laundry. Why that building stayed out of 
thousands. <laughs> yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I'm always saying that I want to know how that building stayed. Right. But I happen to be part of a group called the Mill Creek Valley Commemoration Committee, and we're trying to uh, put up a mural of Mill Creek. And so we're looking at sites now, and if anybody along Market or Olive wants to volunteer the site of their building, we're happy. Oh, um, why wouldn't you? I would want yes, to. <laughs> yes, and we want to be able to say something like I'm putting on my faith. We were here. This is the historic Mill Creek community. Um, I would love for it to be on the campus of St. Louis University, because one-third of the eastern part of St. Louis University is Mill Creek. Wow. All of those homes that were torn down are now Chaffetz Center, soccer field, um, some, I guess, some classes. Right, <laughs> right, halls, right, right. Maybe yeah. dormitories. But that was all Mill Creek. I'll be darned. Now, our new soccer stadium mm-hmm. has the Speaking has a sculpture. Let's talk about <laughs> soccer. So the new talk about that because I believe that you worked with Damon Davis. Did I you did. Not? He's a wonderful yeah. young man uh, and a talented artist and sculptor. Um, he is uh, from um, East St. Louis originally, but came to live in St. Louis uh, probably as a teenager or adolescence. But he had never heard of Mill Creek. So he has to now commemorate this community that he never heard of. And I'm happy to say that he read my book as a historical reference, and that's how we became acquainted. That's Uh, so great. Yeah, that is great. And uh, what he's done at the stadium is just phenomenal. Uh, It's just not a little statue. It's huge 12-foot-high pillars um, that uh, uh, commemorate the I think it's called what is it called Pillars of the Valley Pilly, Pillars of the Valley Mill Creek Valley. right and uh, he also has done this wonderful thing where for a half of a city block on Market Street he has created these seating areas that are the size of the houses that were on that half block with the addresses of those houses of the people. And the names of the people who lived in those houses in the 1940s. Oh, wow. From the 1940 census. That had to take so you some get a, research. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So wow. you get a sense, and you're sitting there where people actually live. So I think that's incredible. That that brings that that human aspect yes. into it, right? Like humans, you know, actually, actually lived, lived here. here. Here's the names. Here's their addresses. Yes. Oh and my it's gosh. It's granite and grass and a bench, and it's the size of the actual houses. So it's a, oh. it's a grand plaza. Wow. Yes. I, gotta, I haven't seen yeah. this. Where am I? to go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Will you take it's me on a field trip there, Vivian? construction <laughs> fences for a while, but I think it's just about open. Oh, my gosh. How cool. I love this. All right. So let's talk about your TEDx talk. Okay. Um, your TEDx talk was about this very subject. Yes. What was it like to prepare for that? That was probably the scariest thing I've done. <laughs> I thought, what have I gotten myself into? What did, I, what did I commit to again? Did they tell me it was going to be this difficult? You know, I talk all the time. Right. And I talk off the cuff all the time. And I know yes. this topic and this subject. And when I don't, I do research. Preparing to to talk for 18 minutes on virtually a speech. Yeah. With, I have to memorize. Yep. Scared me. 
it really scared me. It I can talk so, about anything just talking. It's but, so not uh, easy. It, it is, is not so easy. not easy. And I got that sense from just about everybody. There were a few people who, from the very beginning, were, like, giving that speech. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, but there are other people like me going, oh, pass, pass by me this time. Let, come back to me. Right, right. I'm scary. I mean, it was hard. It is hard. And it's, you know, what's interesting is um, people that say to me, oh, I thought that they just got up there and talked. Like, I did. And I'm like, well— they get it it looks easy mm-hmm. because they've practiced so much by yeah. the time they're on stage it looks like they're just talking to you about I just yeah. showed up here and did this but no that no. is a well crafted well well crafted <laughs> i'm i'm one of those people that said oh these are you know these people are just good speakers it was hard it was really really hard and the whole process i have to tell you every time we would have a group critique i would go back and rewrite the speech it was <laughs> oh. and it finally got to a point where i said i'm not give it i'm not letting anybody else hear this speech this is between me i can do this i had to like come on vivian yeah buck you up. can do this yeah <laughs> right 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 and i tell you up until a minute behind stage, I was still flubbing the opening line, believe it or not. I was going, oh, my God, if I don't get this line out, I'm gonna, it's going to be a mess. I do believe it, though. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I just had to do something recently where I had to memorize um, a paragraph. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself was difficult. And it, it reminded me, like, it, I was just like, man, what are speakers do to be ready for that stage, you know, to, and I mean, there's no teleprompters, just in case anybody's wondering, there are no teleprompters. I know. And when I learned that, I almost like packed my bags and went home. And you're out there. I mean, that's, so that's part of it too. There's not a podium. You're not standing, but I mean, you are on the red rug. Yes. It's, it's a vulnerable place, but it's such a beautiful place. And it does take that commitment and practice and, well, and also, you know, an amazing amount of knowledge about what you're talking about. Yeah. I, but I was very grateful for the experience um, because I thought, this is not something I've done before. At my age, I am still curious and learning. And Good. I love that. Yes. And I said, okay, I've never done anything like this before. Um, I've been singing and talking in front of crowds since I was four years old singing in church. And so I'm comfortable with that. But that was a new experience. <laughs> I'm glad I had it. I'm glad it's over. I don't know if I'd volunteer to do it again. <laughs> so, but did did it change how you approach speaking now? Yes. Yeah. And that's, that was one motivator for me. Right. I said, I want to learn how to do this. I want, I can talk, but I want to be a speaker. It's the master class, right? Yes. It is the master class in how to present. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. On behalf of TEDx St. Louis, thank you, Vivian, for doing that talk because it was an amazing talk. Thank you. And And I want people to go and see it and click on so they can get those views. That's right. Go get the views. Well, it deserves the views. And that's, I mean, that's a whole other level. It deserves to be seen. And the story deserves to be out there. So, Thank you. 
All right, man. Well, tell people where they can find out more about you and where they can get the book and all of that good stuff. Yeah. Well, you can certainly go to independent bookstores, Left Bank Books. I was just there and I saw your book. I was like, they've been a tremendous partner. Um, Novel Neighbors, uh, Subterranean Books in in, uh, U-City and I See Me. Barnes and Nobles, you can get it just about anywhere, and it's a great read. I'm hearing a reading on Facebook this morning that uh, people are, some women are going to read it while the football game is on on Sunday. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so that's nice. They'll probably only look up for the commercials if they're like me. I'm like, I, I watch it for the commercials. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I have some fun questions for you. Okay, I love fun. So you have this amazing, beautiful view of the Arch and St. Louis from your downtown loft. Yay for us in the Loft District. Um, what can you share with the rest of us St. Louisans about that view? Things that we we don't know because we're not seeing it every day. Well, first of all, I'm on the ninth floor and there's not really anything in front of me. So I sleep with my shades completely up, my 11-foot high ceiling. So I would for sure. Straight up, if there was someone over there. Um, um, <laughs> I know, I get the same thing. I'm like, <laughs> I hope nobody has their binoculars out right now. I know. I'd be happy if somebody even wants to look. But I also watch, oh, a good one is that I watch the fireworks. Oh, I bet. From my bed. Oh, how fun. So I can sit up in my bed and see the fireworks on the 4th of July. The sun rising is just beautiful. So they're all different. Sometimes they're pink and blue and red and white, all kinds. So that's always fun. Watching the moon at night. <gasps> right? So yes, it was a full moon just last right. night. Yeah, That's right. It comes up over the arch. Um, so And just having the arch there as this symbol, this iconic symbol that was built when I was in elementary school, as a matter of fact, they went around to all the public schools and children signed paper, uh, little our names on, on a piece of paper that's in a uh, a little time capsule. Really? So I have a time, pe- my name is in there. in there. Yeah. That is so cool. Um, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know. I, I I want to come over. I'm going to invite myself over soon. Um, I, <laughs> I just saw, I re, was in St. Louis Magazine where it was, and I was like, oh my gosh, that is an awesome view. It is. An I awesome would love, mine is the view of the city museum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm with you on the moon, the, the sky colors that That's show right. up are incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, there's something about seeing that much sky yeah. from your window every day. It's, exactly. You and know, just looking, you're right. I mean, just the, even the, dark sky with just the moon is just so... It's stunning. It is. It is. It's stunning. And and I'm obsessed with airplanes now. I look yeah. at airplanes all the time. I'm like, where? Yeah. I well, actually we have, have a yeah. silly tracker that tells me where the airplane's going and coming from. I'm like a total airplane dork yeah. now. So I'm on a flight pattern, so I see it in the airplane. It's pretty high up, so you don't really hear it. I'm, I'm near whatever helicopter port there is. Yes. I don't know where that helicopter is, is a, going. Is there like an all-black helicopter that you see I a lot? Know. I always see yeah. this one all-black helicopter that goes... I don't know where it's going. It's going towards the river and back and forth, so I have no idea where it's going, so I see that all the time. I see the starlings. 
Oh. So around 5 o'clock at dusk, they're coming like crazy and and uh, landing on buildings pretty far away. So I see the starlings go right past. Now, do you see all the crows? I get lots of crows I don't crows get crows. Where I'm calling them starlings. Okay. I hope they're not crows. <laughs> we might be. T- I'm, I think it's, I think it's black. crows, but I do not know. So I just know that my cat loves it yeah. when, during that time of year when they're yeah. offline or my cat's like this is great this is like my own show yeah. right now I love it crows are pretty big I think these are starlings they're star they, maybe they are I'll and, they, and they are known for that hope that dust kind of finding pe- and they're in I mean they're hundreds a lot and hundreds of them and they'll them. sit up on top of the yeah. buildings and okay yeah. starlings I've been calling them cr- I'm sorry birds yes. I will call you starlings yeah, from- they're starlings I like darlings, it starlings <laughs> yeah so let me ask you this other question. If I say teapot, what does that make you think of, Vivian? That makes me think of my first my mother's collection of teapots that I only got one of. My sister got the bulk of the collection, and I finally got enough nerve to say, I wish I had Why one. Why did she give me at least one? Yeah. <laughs> she was in California. She mailed it to me, and it was broken when it got oh, here. Oh, no. So I started my own collection of teapots. I still have the... The broken one, you know, I didn't throw it out. Well, yeah. It wasn't crumbled. I, I think the handle broke or something like that. Gotcha. So I have a collection of teapots that I've collected over years. When I travel, I would go to antique shops and resale shops. So, you know, I don't buy the ones off the Internet. I like old ones. I like English ones. I have them from Morocco. And uh, so I, I love teapots. Too many of them to display. <laughs> <laughs> That's, are you a tea drinker? I do drink tea, but I'm more of a coffee drinker in the morning, early in the morning. I drink coffee. I have a rule that I won't drink coffee before 4 a.m. But I wake up around 2.33 every morning. You wake up at 2. Why? Yes. You're retired. I, wake up. I know. <laughs> I know. It's kind of sad, but I— It's not sad. It's interesting. Well, I write at night, so that's my best time to write. Got yeah. So my mind is fresh. It's almost like I dream whatever I'm going to write. I wake up at 3 o'clock, and it just flows. I'll be darned. As soon as the sun comes up, it's so all you gone. definitely see the sun up. Oh, I see the sun come up, come up all the time. What time do you go to bed? Well, there's this thing that that about retirement. So sometimes I will go back to sleep at night. Gotcha. Okay. Or maybe if I have something going on, I'll take a nap around one or two. So I rarely see the ten o'clock news. I can put it that way. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, that's cool, right? Because yeah. you can just kind of go with what your body tells you exactly. to do. Exactly. Whatever. Whatever works out best for you, you just get to be like, oh, I got to go take a nap now. Right. I don't wake worry. up now and write. Yeah. I love that. I, and if, if I'm not on a writing schedule, which I try to stay on, even when I'm not really writing, writing, I will jot something. I do research. I do all of those things at night because I like it quiet. Even in college, I would wake up in the middle of the night when everybody else was sleeping. I, it's how I learn. Right. It's how I think. And it really needs to be quiet. I need a little, I can have a little white noise, like the train that right. runs alongside right, my right. house. Right, right, yep, yep. Yeah, but um, I don't, you know, so because I'm retired, I can have that that kind of schedule. This whole thing about no coffee before four 
is because I've had coffee at 2.30, 3 o'clock, and the caffeine wears off at a weird time. Gotcha. So that throws me off. So I said, okay, 4 o'clock, and then, you know, caffeine runs off, wears off around 2 in the afternoon. That's so interesting. You're the you're the first person I know that gets <laughs> that I have talked to that gets up at two thirty or three. I love. I get the up quiet. usually around five or five thirty. But and I do agree. There's something about waking up before the rest of the mm-hmm. world. It mm-hmm. I, it's like you have this. I mean, and I live by myself as yeah. well, you know. But that's just something about. Nobody else is up at Nobody that time, I, you up. know, that I can't hear anybody shuffling around in any lofts anywhere, yes. and, and yes. it's just nice. But there are people up. If I post at 4 o'clock in the morning, somebody will like it at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I will write them back and say, what are you doing? Go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that where people, like, I'll get a I'll get a, um email from somebody mm-hmm. on my team at, like, some odd time, I'm like, why were you up at that time of I night? Know. Go to sleep. I know. I do that sort of on <laughs> and purpose. And don't email at that time. <laughs> I know. I do that sometimes. And someone said, I can't believe what time you sent me this email. You know, I said, well, I hope it didn't ding and wake you up. Right. Well, that's the nice thing about email, though, right? You can just send it yeah. off. And I love it. All right. So this podcast, my, my big word is kindness. I mm-hmm. love kindness. I think the world needs a lot more of it. I love people that are living kindness like you. So just share with us something recent, um, whether it's a kindness you witnessed, you gave, you received. Share share kind, some kindness with us. People are so kind to me. They should be. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm amazed. First of all, I have a brother who is the kindest person in the world, certainly in my life forever. He's older than me, so he's been in my life forever. He is so caring. Uh, He's the first one I read anything to. He's so excited for me. Um, And he's been there. His name is, in the book, he's Honey. Uh, and then later on, he changes his nickname from Honey to Shep because he doesn't want his high school friends to call, call him honey. honey. I get it. All right, <laughs> Shep it is. <laughs> so Shep is probably my uh, go-to kindness Aww. person. But people have been so kind about this book and encouraging me to write it. Uh, I started a writing workshop when I retired and started uh, stories that I'd been writing for years. Uh, I decided I'll take this workshop. I'm retired and maybe I'll write a memoir. Maybe I'll do this. But my parents died before my children were born. So I thought this was a good way to introduce my children to my parents. And so I started writing and I was writing for them, for my family, nothing to publish. But the facilitator of this workshop, Kim Kim Lozano, kept doggedly encouraging (laughs) me to publish. She said, Vivian, people want to hear and read these stories. You have got to submit them. And she she would not give up. I went, okay, yeah, sure, I'm a writer. Yeah, I've gone through all these years of my life and never (laughs) one time did I say, I want to be a writer. (laughs) But she didn't stop, and to this day, She's my second b- biggest fan. She's oh, that's always awesome. pushing me. So I've had people, and and so much has happened. People have been so gracious and so kind to me. But that's been my life. People have always been encouraging, I find. And I just find that amazing. That's amazing. I hope somebody can say that about me. Oh, oh yeah, th- yes, Vivian. 
They, believe I, me. I'm not going to suggest who might. <laughs> Bully me. But, but, you know, I mean, I want to acknowledge the fact that, because I think this is so important that you retired, but you didn't really retire. No. You, you're, you're not just watching TV all day. And, you know, it's like you are continuing to participate, learn, you're out there, you're active. I really do think that that's so, such an important message to give to other people. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, like, I can't imagine retiring. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't see it for me. I don't, yeah. I, I, I mean, I kind of think, what, what? I what mean, will I do? yeah, I got a lot of stuff I still want to do. So yeah. I'm going to, you know, yeah. and I own my own company. So I get to kind of play within that company and do different things. So I, I really want to acknowledge and, and notice that how um, it's just, I love that you're doing that. And look, yeah. and you've got this whole second career because I, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and this whole second career <laughs> that I didn't plan on. When you're waking you. up at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, well, I would have been anyway, but I would have been cooking and washing clothes or doing or reading or something like that anyway. But I just enjoy it. I really do enjoy learning. I, I can't say stress that enough. I just so enjoy important. learning new things all the time. It keeps me young, I think. I really do think it does. Yes. You know, it keeps I mean, my brain going. I, I'm starting to forget what I'm about to say or why I leave to the room to get something. But oh, I do that. I think it could it could be worse. <laughs> I do that quite often. I'm yeah. like I. What? Why did I come into this I room? <laughs> I know. I say that every day. Well, you know, we're inundated with information as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, Vivian Gibson, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the person you are and for the gifts that you're giving to us. And I just really appreciate you. Thank you for being here with me today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been really, really great. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Last Children of Mill Creek is the book. Yes. Go get it. Um, Many, many bookstores around town to get it from and other places. And everyone out there, thank you for listening in. Thank you, Vivian. Go out and be kind, everybody. Have a good one. Love to all of you. Bye.